Hey everyone, Michelle Seidling here with another episode of Food Experience Unplugged. Today we'll explore healthy eating for the brain and making healthy behavior shifts for success in your life and work. Here to help us do that is international brain change and behavior expert, Dr. Lynette Louise, also known as the Brain Broad. This podcast is available on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be informed as new episodes become available. Also, be sure to check out our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com for some resources as you begin your health journey. Lynette Louise, welcome to Food Experience Unplugged. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to people from this perspective. I don't get to do it that much. Oh, absolutely. And you are known as the brain broad among your other expertise. Let's do the synopsis. And then that way you can ask questions if if you want more detailed information. So I was a child of an angry mom and uh, it created a lot of psychological challenges, but it also created motivation. So I was very motivated to enter the world and save children and also to be an actress. So (laughs) I'm going to be an actress and save children, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's funny because I think when you're young, you set your path and you actually walk it, but it's always different than you imagined. So in my story, I had an adopted father and my brother was adopted. So adoption was a regular, normal thing to do. And I'd already had two children and my actually three, my son died at birth. So I couldn't have any more children. And I started adopting and I adopted multiply handicapped children and then some runaways. And in the end, I had eight. At that time, they didn't really know what to do with these children. And there wasn't a lot of good places or information. I read every book I could. I tried the things they were telling me to do. They as in behaviorists and doctors and therapists. And most of it was cruel. Most of it I wasn't comfortable with or if it out, you know, the world evolved to internet communication. So now a cottage industry is a global industry. Because a Facebook group of moms with special needs children can talk to each other all over the world. And the next thing you know, I'm traveling all over the world. So I'm going abroad and I'm working on brain function and I'm still educating. And, um, and I found neurofeedback, which is my main therapy, that and play. And just sort of accumulated a breadth of knowledge that comes from having been a 24-7 helper of children who were multiply handicapped to all over the world, all the different cultures, all the different diets, all the different approaches. And after a while, I started to see what worked no matter what. Like, what was the common denominator? What worked everywhere, despite your religion, despite your culture, despite your um, your diet? So that became a show actually. And I created, I thought I got to show people that there is an actual basic approach that really, really helps with brain function. And I created a show called fix it in five and I'm on family three and I need two more. And I go there for five days and we go somewhere in the world. I haven't already been and, and help with um, a family that has multiple challenges, always autism, but other things as well. And that's on the autism channel. It's on YouTube. It's on Vimeo. And if you want to know how it's done, you can watch. And that's me. (laughs) Go ahead. Ask questions. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Now, do you still have um, children in the home? 
or they I still have one. Oh, one okay. the, the one boy that lives with me probably always will was the most challenged. All the rest are independent, successful, doing great, all in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them are in a program. They're all doing their own thing and, and doing well and, you know, certified in welding, a helicopter mechanic, a guy who mows lawns and helps the hairdressing shop. Like they're all very different um, producers, like everyone's different. But I do have one boy that he, to the best of my knowledge, because the one thing you never really know is what really happened to the kids before you adopt them. Mm. But to the best, he really, he's very, very, very challenged. He's much better, but I don't see him as someone who will end up independent. Everyone else is though. Okay. Wonderful. Now, how was that in terms of eating? We'll get more into the, the brain part in a minute, but in terms of just eating, food prep, planning, how was that navigating, you know, probably a varied uh, different diets depending on the person or different uh, eating eating schedules and so forth? Okay. So with my kids, remember, they didn't know anything back then. We're talking about the early, early, early 80s, like 82, I started this. Okay. So there wasn't a lot of understanding of the importance of special diets for the brain. And I stumbled across a friend of mine had decided she was going to be macrobiotic and she handed me this book this thick. And the idea of a special diet or approaching life and health through eating had not really occurred to me. I just sort of did what everyone does. But I had a son who was uh, just standing and throwing up. And I had uh, another one who was projectile vomiting and couldn't put on weight. So I knew there were issues, but nobody cared. Like if I took him to a doctor, they'd say, well, you know, he's broken. (laughs) Like They didn't really work on it the same way. You'd have to force them to do any kind of imaging. So it was really an interesting time that way, in some ways better because you found your way to things when they worked, as opposed to getting all overwhelmed on the internet and thinking, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. But you better be someone who'll try stuff back then or or you were really stuck. So she gave me this big book and went off to Switzerland to learn about macrobiotics. Now, the key to macrobiotics was we didn't really have gluten. We did but most of the time, not. Mostly you were using rice flour, um, alternative flours. You didn't have dairy. Now, you had very little meat. It depended on where you lived. You ate uh, what was locally you know, grown. But it, it was a whole new approach to thinking about washing the food. Thinking, so, and, I, and I felt I got lucky because most of my children's problems were dairy and gluten. So here it was nothing to do with them particularly so much as I wanted our whole family to be healthier. And when I read about it, when I read this big book in like 48 hours, I realized that there was a chance that I could help them with diet. And so that was my beginning. And then of course, I mean, that just started me, right? So I did that for a long time. It was so expensive and difficult. And um, so I started little side businesses. I was selling blue-green algae because that was supposed to be good for the brain. And I was like, I was just doing all these things to try and figure it out. But that was the starting point. In, in many ways, that was a very lucky happenstance because I didn't think in terms of each individual, that would have been too much. There were, at this point... By the time I stopped doing macrobiotics, there were nine of us. So it would have been way too much for me to think, 
you know, so-and-so needs this, so-and-so needs that, so-and-so needs this. Now, eventually got, I got to a place of individualization, but sometimes you just have to start with the best possible diet and make the whole house that. In fact, if you saw some of my comments to you, I think that was the secret to our success was that we didn't have food in the house that wasn't okay. Right. We didn't have that stress. And I've seen a lot of parents, especially fathers, really struggle when people want to change the diet in the house. And so they'll want to have their own food and then tell the children, no, you eat this because that makes you sick. But I eat this. And that's fine once you've moved along in the learning curve, but it's not fine in the beginning. It's way too stressful and it leads to stealing food and stress around food and um, fights between parents and all kinds of stuff. So we all ate macrobiotic and it was probably not the perfect diet, but it was a great place to start. Okay. So you started, so everybody ate the macrobiotic diet. Now did, depending on the, the family member and their situation, did you make small adjustments here and there? Over time, we started to figure out who needed what, right? So initially, I saw this dietary change more as this is just a healthier way to eat, right? We'll all be better and smarter. And the kids were, and I was too. I was stronger, more motivated, clearer. Um, I wasn't knowledgeable at that point in things like different oils, different this, different that. I just followed the Bible. And then as after several years of that, that's why I say it was a good start off. I didn't overwhelm myself trying to do that. And then and after a little while, I thought I couldn't afford it. So we stopped and then my kids started vomiting again. So now you're going, but it's only these two that are vomiting. So now you're starting to realize, or I was starting to realize, okay, some aspect of this diet is working for them. Um, in a large way, this diet is causing my teenagers to rebel because they don't want to eat onion butter. <laughs> well, my one daughter did, but then she smelled like onions and the kids made fun of her, right? So there was all this other element to look at. And that's when I began going, okay, who needs what? Who needs the gluten-free, dairy-free? Well, the, the two that were vomiting needed it. Um, and then I, I started to notice things like what affects behavior, like anger. Uh, I had a young son who didn't seem to have any problems with whatever he ate, but certain foods would make him very angry. And so you just start going, okay, well, that's, if that keeps happening, obviously it's a food thing and it must be going straight to his brain, not just affecting how he bloats up or how he digests, but also something's going to the brain. So then I started learning, of course, about the, I was already learning about the brain and putting that together. For example, um, organ meat is full of ser serotonin, right? Well, you think you always hear serotonin, it's the happy hormone, it's beautiful for your brain, get, you know, most antidepressants are a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So, you know, you're getting all this serotonin is good, serotonin is good. And, um, but you can have a disorder, which is too much serotonin. And so then I noticed, oh, this boy can't eat anything that has serotonin in it. Um, and so you do start to tweak, you start to notice, okay, this one, it's this thing, this, you know child to child. And then of course, educate on that. And before you know it, you have this wealth of knowledge and you can adjust for each person. And even as I was traveling the world, I had a girl with a seizure disorder that really needed the ketogenic diet. And for those that don't know what that is, um, it's just a diet that's really heavy in proteins and fats. 
and, uh, and a lot of beef. And she was in India. And there's no way that she can have this diet. And yet she really needs it. But because of all this learning, I know an alternative way to create a ketogenic diet without beef. So after a while, you don't even recognize how much you know, but you got to start somewhere. So you start with the most important diet and you fill the house only with those foods. And then it's not stressful as you learn more and get to where you can individualize. Okay. Sure. Now, now let's take a step back. What is the relationship, I guess? What happens, healthy eating and the brain, like what happens? Okay, you take a bite of food. What can you kind of explain a little bit of the, the science and what exactly happens with that? Well, that's a really big question that doesn't have an answer. So I'll get more into more specifics, because that's the only way for it to have an answer. And I kind of started with one. So I'll use that. Um, you know, everybody knows that you get tryptophan, from your, most people know that if you, you know, after your turkey dinner, you're all like, oh, because you're full of tryptophan. Well, tryptophan is connected to um, 5-HTP, which is connected to serotonin. It's all like this chain of events. And it, it should be that it doesn't hit your brain too much, but it does, especially if you're someone who has a leaky gut um, and not a very efficient blood brain barrier. And so Everything really in the end is a very individualized situation because it'll depend on these components. But we all recognize this one big effect, right? I eat a lot of turkey at Thanksgiving and I'm on the couch going, oh. <laughs> so even if you need to individualize for intensity, you still can at least say, yeah, I get that that really happens to me. And you can make up stuff in your head and say, well, maybe it's all the potatoes. Maybe it's all the this. Maybe it's the overeating. Maybe it's the visiting. But then it wouldn't be so universal just Thanksgiving, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's definitely your trip to, in the end, it's your serotonin. So you have too much. And you get too relaxed. And you get to where you can't focus. So you have somebody who has a leaky gut or a, you know not an efficient blood-brain barrier. And when they're eating organ meats and turkey and things like this, it gets into the brain and then it affects your function and your ability to focus. If you have a leaky gut, it does that for you um, regardless, like with other foods as well, like milk, for example. Um, We'll have the casein will get in and you'll be as if you're on morphine, really. It's kind of a nice high, I suppose, but it's also addictive. So then you have somebody who needs milk, needs milk, needs dairy, needs dairy, because every time they have it, they feel calm and kind of, ah, but they're not able to bring their thoughts to um, clarity. They can't problem solve. And so if you're doing that your whole life, then your brain doesn't develop. You're not problem solving. You're sitting back. You're creating addiction. So food and the brain is a very... um, it's a big, it's a big question. Like I can't just say, oh, if you eat, if you eat blueberries, you're going to be smart. That's just not true. Right. That's just, just not true. But are blueberries good for your brain? Yes. (laughs) And it's also not true. If you eat a lot of carrots, you're going to see at night, but are carrots good for your eyes? Well, vitamin A is. So yeah. Right. Um, You can think of food as For example, vitamin D is a good example. A lot of people are low on their vitamin D. It's hard to get. You need to get it either from a supplement or the sun. And um, there's a few other sources, but it's it's one of those ones that you pay attention to and it affects brain function. You can end up with seizures if you don't have enough. Mm -hmm. So what you put in your body is what runs your brain. If you're a coffee person, 
let's say you're somebody who, myself, I have a slow moving frontal lobe. Coffee is my friend. It's not my enemy. It, at this point, I've healed my brain with neurofeedback, so I don't need to live on coffee anymore. So I don't need to hurt my gut in order to help my brain. But a stimulant for me just brought me into balance until I was able to fix my brain on its own. Right. So okay. let's say you read in a magazine article, you shouldn't have more than two cups of coffee. And so your husband is someone who has low wave frequency bathing his brain and he's having trouble at work and you're yelling at him all the time, stop drinking so much coffee. Right? It's bad for you because right? you read it in woman's magazine. Right? <laughs> you're actually making him non-functional. What you can do is say, wait a minute, but that is kind of bad for your stomach and it is kind of bad for, makes your heart go a little too fast. How about Let's mix it up. Let's have some chocolate, some dark chocolate, some green tea. Some, so your diet strongly impacts what you drink, what you eat, strongly impacts your brain's ability to, with clarity, problem solve and think. Okay. And likely, I'm sure there's some bio-individuality, you know, if not, if one person eats blueberries, they're you know, versus diarrhea (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, whatever the food is, you know, it, it, I'm sure it likely affects different people differently. Oh yeah. Well, look at the example I just said, okay, let's go with the husband and wife, right? So you've got the husband who's got this slow moving wave, you know, bathing the frontal lobes and he's, he's really needing the stimulant to keep going, but let's say opposites attracted here. And the wife has fast moving waves and it's a little hypervigilant in her behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. So because how your brain behaves is how you behave. So now you've got a guy who has to use anger and control to keep his brain alert or stay working all the time or have a stimulant. Well, she thinks wine is good for her because at the end of the day, she sits back and she has a glass of wine and it makes her feel comfortable. And if he has a glass of wine, he gets drunk easy. And it doesn't make sense to each individual. And they each think that their way is the right way. And they're both wrong because their way is the right way for them, right? Wine is healthy if you limit your intake. Coffee's healthy if you limit your intake. Both are healthy, but if you switch places and you ask the person who likes to have the evening wine to talk their husband into it and vice versa, the one person is all, her heart's palpitating from the coffee and she's a nervous wreck and she's yelling at the kids, right? And and the guy's drunk at night, so that didn't work. <laughs> and that's, don't forget when you say diet, it includes drink. A lot of people think diet and they only think about their food, but diet is anything you swallow. So now in terms of brain health, health, um, you know, healthy eating, are there tips? A lot of times you you hear about, hear about brain foods or things that are good. So what is, um, what, what makes our brain healthy? What can we do to, to keep our brains healthy? I suppose. Well, I think I've been really, um, sort of harping on this because it's the step one. Step one is to be true to yourself. And to not be tricked by these universal ideas. Um, Blueberries actually are really good for your brain. But that's a universal idea. That's saying all people should eat blueberries. Well, 
you know, you have to say to yourself, why? Why should I, you know, when they say uh, the people that drink coffee are less likely to have Alzheimer's if they don't over drink coffee. Why? Why would that be true? Because you know what? I can also find you the same evidence for wine. And I try to stay with a theme so I don't confuse everyone with too much stats. That's why I'm going back and forth on the coffee and wine and the blueberries. Um, so is there a universal answer? No. And that's when people hurt themselves, even meditation, which isn't even a food and everyone accepts is good for you. For many people, meditation puts them into a state where they can't shake it. They end up unfocused all day long, unable to kind of shake it off. So that person needs a walking meditation. They need to be moving while they're, because they need blood circulating into their brain to keep their brain alert. So step one is really being true to yourself. If you try something that you've read about or heard about that maybe I'm going to mention, and it doesn't work for you, that doesn't mean I was wrong. It means I was wrong for you. Okay, good, so good if we're not willing to do that. And if we're not willing to let our children do that, and if we're not willing to let our spouse do that, then we're going to push what's right for us onto others. And we're going to actually do harm, actual harm, physical harm, because somebody who should not be having a stimulant should not be having lots of ice cream before bed or, or dark chocolate or a coffee and end up with nightmares or end up with a heart problem. They shouldn't be but someone else maybe should be. So step one, be true to yourself, be honest with yourself. And when a food does help you stick with it. And then I would actually, I love blending. I think if you, if you think in terms of whether you're the wine drinker or the coffee drinker, in both cases, you're trying to come to balance. And right about midday, you'll have probably a dip, most likely. Not everyone, but good chance. Everyone gets kind of a midday dip or I shouldn't say everyone ever, <laughs> most people get a midday dip. Blending can be amazing for that because you can get so many nutrients in, uh, much more so than juicing because juicing, you lose all the fiber, right? So if you have a blender at work or one of those teeny little portable ones, or if you have, if you work from home, you can throw all kinds of vegetables in there, a um, little bit of spice, maybe some cayenne pepper to wake up your brain. That's really good for the brain. Um, just a little spice, just a little something to give it some zip. It doesn't have to be things like coffee and tea, right? Um, throw in some vegetables, some fruit, some pepper of, of some kind that you like, chili pepper, cayenne pepper, whatever. Maybe some, make sure there's some citrus in there. And um, throw in a little, while you're at it, throw in a little apple cider vinegar so that it has a teensy bit of zip and is also good for your gut, which affects your brain. So for example, if you have, a lot of people don't know this, but when you have heartburn, you often get a headache. Why? Because there's, there's a relationship. This is one huge thing. We're not a brain and a body. We're a brain and body. It circulates, right? Um, I would blend that. That's going to be good for your body and your brain. And you'll probably feel either relaxed. If you were the wine person, you'll probably feel closer to balance or alert if you were the coffee person. So there is one, I would say most often that works for either extreme. And I love that. It's healthy for your brain. It's healthy for your body. You get more nutrients and you can personalize it. So you can say to yourself, gee, you know, when I use cherries, I end up you know, uncomfortable, I get a gut ache. So for me, I won't use cherries. You can sort of create your, your own personal recipe based on the effects it has. Mm, and okay. always good for your brain. 
<laughs> yes. So is it often not necessarily the two, the individual foods, but kind of blended or come when they come together, they do they do different things that are that are good for your brain versus individually or better or um, you know what I think that's a really good question and I don't have a science answer for that and I'm not going to pretend I do um, but I can tell you that when you combine things like that and blend it together you just digest it quicker and it it, it you know it gets into your system faster so if you blended them one at a time it would likely work almost as well, except you wouldn't have as much. You'd blend, you know, your lime and then you'd blend your celery and you'd be so sick of it that you wouldn't do it. Right. So it's because you're blending and you're mixing these things in that you're more inclined to get a variety. It's what do they say? Eat, eat a rainbow. So that's true for your body and your brain, right? So you're more likely to get this variety in there, which is have not just your vitamin C and not just your vitamin D. So you want to get, or B, you want to get a mixture, mainly so that you get more stuff. It's like the difference between taking a calcium pill or taking a one-a-day pill, right? It's more like that. But I can't say science answer to the combination because then we'd have to care what the combination was. Okay, sure. Right? We'd have to say, what was your recipe? How long did you blend for? <laughs> right? So things like that. And then that would, again, we'd try to make a universal statement and it becomes a lie. Um, so I, I, and I, And anyway, I don't know. To be honest, I just don't know. Uh, for, but for your brain, if you want to eat healthy, you want to first ask yourself, do I need to wake up or do I just make it simple? Do I need to feel more alert or do I need to feel less hypervigilant, less anxious, less nervous? All right. If I need to feel more alert, what was I eating or what have I been eating? Maybe I didn't eat all day. Oops. <laughs> That's not good for my brain. <laughs> right? But maybe I ate carbs. So now I know something about myself. So let's leave the carbs out next time. Um, and you go, oh, wow. When I don't have carbs, I'm fine. Or you go, well, that I still am tired. I'm still tanking. Um, what kind of carbs did you eat? Oh, I ate potatoes. Um, okay, then it's just carbs. But if it's, oh, I ate bread, hmm. Maybe you have a problem with gluten. And gluten is something that makes people have difficulty focusing. And it does have a lot of problems between the gut and the brain. So now, now you're narrowing it down. A lot of people don't want to work that hard. So I just say, well, if you feel good in the mornings, do a blended drink in the afternoons. It's basically fruit and vegetables and a little bit of some kind of pepper. You'll probably be fine till evening. And most people, that's a, a great solution. And they don't have to investigate every little thing unless they have real health issues. Um, and I, you know, honestly do use blueberries a lot, to be honest. Um, and blackberries and all the berries are, are very good. Sure. Now, is there, are there some people who, you know, are just kind of, kind of, they're not real jittery, they're not falling asleep, they're just kind of, kind of middle of the road. And then, you know, is it, what do you do then? Is it just keep doing whatever well, you're doing? Or what, yeah, where, just, what is that? Uh, where does that play in, I guess? I ask what they're trying to attain, right? So if you're already someone who's pretty balanced, you're not somebody who deals with a lot of anxiety or heaviness, you're not overeating, you're not undereating, you're just kind of a balanced person. Well, pat yourself on the back and really appreciate your own good fortune first, right? 
And then, you know, you ask yourself, well, what do I want to do with diet? Maybe you're already doing all the right things for yourself. And if you start messing with it, right, maybe the reason that you're that person is the diet that you've adapted over the years was naturally, naturally evolved with you. And you were one of those instinctive people that when you didn't feel good after eating a particular food, you switched. And you never had to think about it. You just kind of went with what was working. And when it wasn't working, you switched. Um, so if you're going to go on this tangent with your diet, you better pay attention to yourself because you may undo your good place by reading some article or hearing some expert and thinking, oh, I would love that. I want to be even more alert. And the next thing you know, you're the jittery person. And now you have to pull back from that, right? So. If you're someone who comes to me and or you're in one of the families I'm working with and you say, you know, I'm really balanced, um, I'll ask what kind of food you eat. So I have a sense, are you, do you lean towards fats and grease? I mean, for example, um, the brain really needs good, healthy oils and fats. Um, but some people are really getting that. They're eating a lot of fish and it's healthy fish from a good source. And, you know, they're really getting it. They're very balanced or their brain absorbs that easily, whereas some other brain doesn't and needs extra, right? So I ask the person what their diet is to get a sense of how they eat. And then I just ask, well, what is it you want from a change? What is it you want to change? People don't ask for change unless they want something, Mm -hmm. right? So yourself, are you balanced? Okay. So just kind of asking and- I'm asking you, are you- Well, me? Balanced, are you that Um, person? I feel like I'm balanced generally. I don't get like, you know, after lunch syndrome, I call it, or anything like that. I mean, throughout the day, I'm more of a morning person. So I do, um, but I don't feel like I'm, you know, falling asleep in the afternoon or things like that. And you sleep well? So, uh, generally. So, but then that's an excellent segue into stress. I'm, you know, I've got my share of stress. I'm sure others do. What effect does stress have in all of this? I'm going to back you up a little. So when you say, I'm sorry, but. No, that's fine. <laughs> you're doing a food show for a reason. So <laughs> when you say you have your share of stress, what's your definition of, of stress? Uh, stress meaning kind of frustration with just we have just a little our family dynamics have changed a little bit here okay recently and just kind of so a feeling of frustration dealing with that yes okay so you feel frustrated because you can't control the outcome i think so all right well let's go with that because it is after all a podcast and we don't have time to put you on a couch right (laughs) okay okay all right i'll be on the couch okay (laughs) so you're having a a frustration because you can't control the outcome because they're human beings and you know you just can't there that's that's what it is to have humans in your life so i don't think that that's a natural state So I don't think everybody experiences that in any large enough degree that they would have mentioned it on the show. I mean, I think everyone has to go, oh, ah, hmm, right. But not to the point where they would say it out loud. So that means that there's something there for you that you can try to address with food. Um, You can see, does it have a pattern? Is it um, a pattern of your own, not a pattern about them because they're out of your control, remember? So do am I more likely to get frustrated in the evening? 
Am I more likely to get frustrated before I eat, after I eat? If we're trying to relate it to food, then you'd have to look to see, is there a pattern related to my food, right? Now, let's say none of that's true. It's random. It depends on definitely a particular person doing a particular thing in a particular way. Well, then you can remove yourself from it or you can change a belief. Now we're looking at psychology. Um, or we're looking at... Um, you know, how do you, how do you fare through the day? So it may not have anything to do with your food. It may have to do with back to when I said low brain waves or fast, slow or fast brain waves. By the end of the day, maybe you're, you're tanked and more easily upset. Um, so it isn't always something you can fix with diet. It has to be something that you look at. Uh, and Stress can be helped by changes in diet if it's diet related. If it's not diet related, then you're using the wrong tool. Mm, right? So. I mean, you might, you might be able to help your recovery period be faster. So somebody who feels stressed for a minute, that's not a big deal. That's just being human. That's like, eh, eh, right? but if you're, if you get mad at someone and it's hours before you chill, then you might need to interject some new foods and stuff to help you get there. But you also have another problem. It's probably not just a food related one. So no pattern, probably not a food issue. Okay. So that's that thing of pay attention to yourself, right? Mm, so look for your own pattern, see if it's anything related to food, see if it's anything related to um, the environment, as in, like you said, there's been some changes, right? So sometimes it can be a housing issue. Some people, it's a color of their paint. I mean, there's more to the brain than simply the food you put into it. There's also what you put in through your eyes and through your ears and through your nose. Um, it's, it's more complex. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. So there are multiple components of that affect brain health. You've got food, um, if I understand what, what you're saying correctly. So think got your, yeah, your brain's like a, a self-generating, right? So when you experience something, it learns about that thing and you have a thought about that thing. And then, so it's like a loop all the time and it's, it's constantly building itself in different ways. And also pruning back in different ways. So you are feeding your brain from every one of your senses, not just your taste senses, but every one of your senses. And then your body's feeding your brain and your circulatory system is feeding your brain. Uh, do you have a problem with your circulation? That's another good one to ask. You know, some people, they're like, they separate their thoughts between their body and their brain. And they think, well, yeah, you know, they're, they're giving me these pills because I, ha I don't have enough circulation. I'm like, well, if you don't have enough circulation, you probably don't have enough oxygen in your head. So let's do some HEG, which encourages the brain to have more circulation. Mm, okay. So now for people just kind of starting out with this concept of brain health and healthy eating and other components, what would you recommend? What's a good starting point to really understanding this concept and kind of individualizing it? Well, I think we can make it even bigger, brain health and, and earth health. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I hope you don't mind. But I just think we're in a place where we need to do that. So first of all, you don't need meat at every meal. Uh, you can pull back on that. Think in terms of protein. Um, and I'm not saying there are people who need that. They need beef. They need never mind meat. They need beef. They need that 
B12 that, you know, so if you're that person, again, adjust what I say. But I think overall, we could reduce the amount of animal fats that we eat uh, as much as there is definite benefit in that. There are also a lot of problems with the way that we handle our meat and the stuff that we put in. There's, you know, so let's say you're eating grass fed and it's really pure. Still, you don't need it in every single meal. You don't need it every day. Now, a couple times a week, that'd be good. There's other means of getting protein. Um, in fact, your vegetables are protein. You know, we have this idea, we separate it in our head because of what we hear and there's protein everywhere. So slow down on that. Um, I've mentioned gluten and dairy in part because it's a personal experience in the story and with the kids that have autism, especially. But celiacs, there's, there's just so many people now that have a gluten issue. I would definitely, as much as possible, reduce intake of gluten. You won't miss it much. And it's probably doing more harm than good. So I would do that. And then eat a rainbow. I love that. I love that they say that with the kids, you know, make sure you get all your colors in your fruits and vegetables. Don't just be the person who only eats greens or the person who only eats tomatoes or the, right? Eat a rainbow. Make sure you're getting all those uh, beautiful colors and mm -hmm. stop eating packaged food. Okay. Uh, it's not new information here. It's the same information you hear everywhere because it's right. That was the point when I went traveling the world and ended up building a show it was because, look, guys, there's stuff that just works every single place. That is amazing. I love that. I just, okay. yes. So absolutely. you individualize, but you do the basics the same, right? So if you're the person that um, absolutely needs beef, ignore that piece. Okay. <laughs> but, sure. but really, eat a rainbow. Don't, don't buy packaged food. It's poison. <laughs> that, when you go for, when you go out to eat and you eat fast food, you know, really, really, really limit that so that it is a treat. Absolutely. To have fun. Right? <laughs> yes. And then be true to your state if you're, uh, and stop worrying and trying to become someone you're not. That's that stress thing you asked about. The okay. worst thing you can do, I think, is Stress yourself because you're not fitting into the norm of what you just read about, you know, so you just read something that says you shouldn't have coffee. And so now you're all stressed out because you're trying not to drink coffee and, you know, you're screaming and yelling at everyone. And now you feel bad for who you are and, and you just, you know, you're sneaking it and like all of that. It's, it's not worth it. Um, reduce your coffee intake maybe, but don't yourself crazy. Don't try to be someone you're not. Sure. Now, Lynette, how can people get in contact with you? Um, I'm kind of everywhere on the internet. So if you put the brain broad into a search engine, I think I'm the only one still. So you're probably okay. You'll find me. Um, LynetteLouise.com is one of my websites. The other one is brainbody.net. It's not brain and body, just brainbody.net. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I don't do TikTok yet ever probably. <laughs> um, I'm on LinkedIn. So I, I'm pretty findable. It's pretty easy. Okay. Fabulous. Well, Lynette, we will include all of that information in the show notes. And it has been amazing and a pleasure having you on the show, really understanding our brain and so many different factors and just feeding our brain individually and, and what works for us. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. 